I just remember being at the airport, I think it was, when was it, 2001, 2002, and, and one of the Spanish coaches who I knew at the time is just like, hey, there's a young guy coming through named Javier Gomez Noya. Just watch him in this race because he's going to unleash. He's, he's Results in training have been outstanding. And, of course, at the time, you're like, yeah, okay, okay, watch him. And, and <laughs> of course, you know, in Queenstown where he won the under-23 and then he just smashed it after that. And to be honest, I didn't beat him too many times. He raised the bar and I was, I was trying to, to match it. Welcome to One Moment Longer. I'm your host, Greg Bennett. And this is a conversation with a special guest who found success by just enduring one moment longer. And that's what this show is all about. I think you're going to absolutely love this episode. I know I did. And uh, if you ever want to be inspired by hanging in there just one moment longer, this person does just that. All right. Today I'm joined by an Australian triathlon legend, Commonwealth Games gold medalist, three-time ITU World Championship medalist, multiple 70.3 winner, dual Olympian and ITU Hall of Fame inductee. After an incredible professional career spanning almost two decades, he started his coaching business, BKR Coaching, and has helped professionals win major titles, young athletes onto the world stage, and amateurs smash their goals. He's married to Ironman 70.3 legend and Olympian herself, Radka Kalafel, and together they own and operate their hometown swim school, Wagga Swim Hub. We've been mates for going on, I think, almost about 25 years, and we've trained together and we've raced against each other all over the world. It's an honour and privilege to have him join me today. So welcome, and thanks for joining me on the One Moment Longer podcast, Brad Carlefelt. How are you, mate? Yeah, very good, Greg. Thanks, thanks for having me on. Oh, mate, it's a privilege. I, um, you know, I saw on Instagram the other day, you're still running marathons. It's been a while since we caught up, and I thought, oh, how, how are you still running as well as you are? I can't believe you dropped a 219 in um, the marathon, I think, in Spain. Yeah, yeah, it was in it was in Seville. I always try and uh, do a couple of marathons a year. Um, I retired, and you know, I had that six months of not doing much. I just didn't like the way, you know, I, I felt without sport, um, without you know, a goal other than business. And um, yeah, I'll try and pick at least one international marathon and in, in one in Australia. So yeah, Tyler Butterfield's come for a couple of them. We did Lake Biwa together in two thousand nineteen, and. This one in Seville was um, is a great trip. You know, we had a really good time. Um, you know, went over with some mates and caught up with another mate over in Europe as well, um, down in Seville. So um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like I just I just enjoyed. I, I felt as as though I um, as I said, just need that um, that goal outside of business, and I, I just get really good clarity in the morning of, of thinking of what I need to do during the day and things like that. So I just, I just absolutely love running. So yeah, it's, it's crazy. I mean, I totally understand what you're coming from. I, I like the idea of going for a run and even going away, going away and catching up with some mates, but I mean, you, you, you're still running. Do you know what I mean? It's not, I mean, the idea of being, of really trying to push yourself and, and try and be better. You, you've still got that in your DNA. Yeah, I do. Um, I'm a Neville nobody at, at, at these marathons, which I'm, which I'm really like I'm fine with because um, I don't have to do anything. I just turn up and run and then afterwards, you know, we, we have a few beers and have a good time and went, you know, had some pizza and um, did another little side trip down the south of Spain. So, um, 
you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm just like I'm a 219 runner and sure, it seems quick but once you're there, like I was, in all honesty, I was like 78th place. <laughs> like I was I was a long way back from, you know, the 204 uh, win and a long way back from the professional. So I'm not getting ahead of myself. Like I'm not a professional runner. I'm probably at the very best of sub-elite but um, I just enjoy going away and it's not mm. about – placing like a high place in all these races is just going and trying to achieve a pb and um it just you know really motivates me as well day in day out when i'm training um Mm. you know i'm I'm quite time poor now with the business and things like that with the family so you can get really fit on one hour a day even you know one and a half hours max so um yeah i love it mate that's awesome buddy and where are you calling from yeah so um, i'm calling from wagga wagga so it's halfway between sydney and melbourne um inland um population of about sixty-five thousand. i know lots of people think it's pretty small like a small little country town but yeah population sixty-five thousand. um Great spot, mate. I'm in the country. You grew up there though, right? Is that Yeah, I was born in Tamora, which is about 100K down the road from here and um, grew up in Wagga. My, my parents are here and I've got a brother here and a sister here and the rest of the family sort of in Melbourne um, or New York at the moment and Canberra. So kind of all over the place. But, um, yeah, we, we bought a, a, a swim uh, complex here, a 25-metre indoor pool and started a business called Walker Swim Hub Swim School and sort of grown to be one of the biggest in the Riverina now with over, you know, 12, 1,300 kids a week. So um, we, we, we're quite busy but, um, you know, Holy absolutely crap. love it. Holy crap. That, that's quite the pivot, mate, to, to uh, you know, to be a selfish triathlete and, and be all about you for almost two decades to then have two kids of your own and then look after 1200 kids every week yeah absolutely it is a bit of a pivot um you know the 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 main focus is is on the family and the business and obviously rake is still racing so um i'm probably fourth in line with my marathons and things like that and 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 that's okay i'm fine with that because it was obviously you know as your professional athlete as you said you, you get quite selfish in a way like you just want everything 100% in order to achieve your goals you, you set out to achieve so um, it's it's not all about me and you know I've got a lot of support we've got a really good team down there at the pool um, we've got over 18 staff now of mainly consists of uh, swim instructors and obviously you know, have an admin team and obviously rakers down there a lot as well and um, but just understanding everything to do with business, um, I, I've, I've really enjoyed it. I've soaked it up and um, mm. I just think there's there's a lot of transferable, you know, skills that athletes offer, you know, and I think the, the CEOs know that um, and, and the, the big bosses out there that they really do know the, um, you know, what these uh, athletes, ex-professional athletes can really bring to the table and I think there's that, you know, that work ethic, that drive and being persistent and, you know, overcoming adversity and things like that. And I think it's really important to understand that um, just because you finish your career, you haven't obviously, <clears throat> you're not down and out, you've um, you just started the next chapter. I want to I dive into that a little bit more, a little bit in the show. But what I'd like to do, just so we can all get to know who Brad Califelt is, I'm fascinated by your journey. Um, I feel like I've known you for, for much of your journey. We kind of met in the yeah, yeah. mid to late 90s and... You know, you were a young junior, up and coming duathlete, triathlete at the time. But let's do this. this is one of my favorite things to do in, in the whole show is to just rewind the clock and, and just tell me about when you first sort of found your passion for sport. Um, and then, even more specifically, you know, 
triathlon. How old were you and what was that all like? Well, I started off, you know, in, in Wagga, there's obviously, you know, there's a lot of sports and it's kind of, it's not too far from the Victorian border. So you got, you know, the AFL side, you know, Australian Football League, sorry, that, um, you know, Aussies obviously know, but internationals probably don't know as much. So that's huge. The AFL, you've got Rugby League, you've got Rugby Union, you've got all the other sports in which every kid in Wagga plays. And I was the same. I was no exception. I, I, I played a lot of sports. Um, uh, loved running. I loved the cross country. Started off with, you know, 800, 1500 metres of little athletics and loved that. But just kept working my way up to the 5K, the 10K, and I just kept going. And I actually um, I was in touch with a, with a coach, which you know quite well, uh, Rob, uh, Rob Higley, is mm. it? Um, the guru, Rob Higley. Yeah, the, the, the guru. And he sort of helped me and, and guide me sort of on my way and he sort of said to me one day I was like hey Brad like stop heading towards the marathon you're only sort of 15 or something and um, focus on speed um, focus on the 5,000 metres and we can slowly work up to the 10,000 and I did that and um, you know love cross country you know was I Australia's best cross country runner absolutely not I was still a long way from the best um Represented Australia at national um, championships over in Perth in 1993. Um, look, performed okay, but it wasn't outstanding. It was, you know, I was probably placed 20-something in the field, which I thought at the time was pretty good. But, um, yeah, just worked my way up from there. And I, I started riding the bike with the, with the bunches around Wagga and started racing the bike as well. And um, loved that. And I want to combine the two, obviously, and that was the sport of duathlon. Um, because basically, you know, a lot of at the time, the lot, lot of Walker, Walker locals just couldn't swim. Um, There's no indoor pool here, so I had to get permission. There's a lot of red tape to be able to swim at the army base at 5 a.m. most oh, wow. mornings. So that was a process in itself. I was probably the only one in Walker that um, was allowed, just because I was quite persistent with them. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, there's no indoor pool, so obviously. Um, the, the swim wasn't great and that was probably a couple of years after I got that permission so I kind of missed out on a lot of swimming so basically I was a duathlete for a number of years and, and represented Australia and I think it was 1996 in Ferrara, Italy that was the first trip overseas um, I was quite young at the time and then the year after was in Guernica I think it was in, in northern Spain there I think John O'Hall won that day and I was, I was inspired but I kind of come back from that trip and and I sort of like I really wanted to go to the Olympic Games and I really wanted to be part of the I guess you could say the biggest sport and that was obviously triathlon and but I just couldn't swim I was a terrible swimmer um and I basically dived in and I just kind of just fell as though I, I sank I, I swam like a runner so it sounded like a crowbar. I just went in there and <laughs> sank and I was I was terrible. I had a terrible style and like any swim coach had looked at me, just shook their heads like, what's going on here, mate? Like maybe you stick to duathlon because, uh, you know, I couldn't even do 100 metres on two minutes at the time. Like it was complete. I felt as though it was a bit of a waste of time, but I thought, you know what, like I want to I want to go to the Olympics. And I was pretty determined and I had this fire in the belly early. It's just like, hey, let's get this a decent crack. And uh, it wasn't until I think I contacted um, Brett Sutton when I was a junior, um, 
probably when I was around 17 and I was, I was actually up in um, Threadbow for those mm. international listeners uh, who don't know where Threadbow is, it's kind of up in the mountains at 1400 metres and there was a National Runners Week every, every year that the family used to go up, you know, all my brothers and sisters, I'm one of six, so it was a big sort of family trip, we'd go up to Threadbow. Um, I was in touch with Brett Sutton, I got his email um, from another New South Wales coach and I remember going down to the Jindy pool actually and I met Sato and all you guys were there and I was quite nervous coming in and uh, you know we had a we had a, a run session as well that day which I think he was um, quite happy with how I went but then he watched me swim and he's like Stixy like this is disgraceful like this is so bad like, like you need to do some work mate and I said perfect give it to me what do I need he's like you need a lot of work um, so from that day on, I, I, I started swimming a lot. Um, I knew where the level was at because I was, I was um, training with you guys and I knew the level you guys are at and on the world stage and, uh, you know, it was just, I was just like a sponge in those early days. So that's where it all started, triathlon, and then from there kind of snowballed and I really got the swim going. It took a long time to get the swim going as probably you can remember mm. the first time I was just swimming with the – with the ladies, I remember some with Jackie um, Fairweather and, and Joe King, uh, Loretta Harrop. I mean, they were all um, better swimmers than me at the time. And um, I was just determined, like, so they would give me, you know, 100, 100s, you know. And sometimes with, I remember doing that set with running shoes on and, and, and running shorts because he, he, he told me it's going to get me stronger. So I just did it, right? So I jumped in and did 100, 100s. Um, um, probably, it's probably at least once every fortnight. Um, in a in crazy like, it was when insane. You think about it, like, like afterwards, even when when I went my own way, I still did that because I believe that's what got me strong in the first place. So, um, a lot of swimming. I was swimming like up to eighty k. I just want listeners to appreciate what you're saying a little bit. And I was eyewitness to all of this. You're probably shaking your head. No, it was. <laughs> look, we we were all in a very we were a very hard squad and it was a tough squad and we, we all, it wasn't just the work we were being given by the coach, but we were a squad where we were all trying to, there was a lot of ego and a lot of, we, we all got the best out of each other and more, I think. And my memories of you and, um, you know, I think Lee Chapman was with you and I think to some degrees you were a little bit the guinea pigs and you I always remember as this strong-willed country boy that came into this group and just said yes to everything and was like, (laughs) (laughs) and, you know, even some of the camps we had in Switzerland and and stuff and the things that I remember you doing, it would take you to breaking point and I think sometimes you did break but then you just kept coming back stronger and stronger. But keep going with your story. I just want everybody to understand that I believe I'm talking to one of the athletes with the most mongrel, the most grit that I've ever seen. Uh, and uh, <laughs> it was it was a pleasure and it was agony to watch during that time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look, it's like during those early days, like I, I often look back and, 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 you know, without those early days, like there's no way I would have made it in the sport because um, I just, yeah, you had to force it, you know. It, it wasn't going to come naturally the swim and I knew I had to be out with these these top guys out of the water, otherwise you're like you're completely like you're dreaming um, mm. to, to, to ride up to those guys when they're riding at you know 45k an hour or whatever, 50k an hour. Like you, 
you're not going to bridge um, a minute, minute and a half, two minute gap. So I knew I had to swim. Um, so they told me to do, you know, 80 kilometres a week and I did it. Um, obviously that affected the, the, the run and the bike a little bit. But um, those early days, mate, I was just like, as I said, I was just like a sponge. I was loving the fact that I could train with some of the world's best like yourself. And, um, you know, Jan Rill was there. Uh, the Chapo brothers, Andrew Johns, which um, I did a lot of training with as well, um, Marcus Keller. There's a lot of mm. good quality athletes, and especially the females as well. It's probably the world's best females we had in the squad and um, absolutely loved it. But, but some of the sessions, like I look back now and like I can remember, I, I don't know if you can remember, Greg, but we, we ran up to Jindy, um, Jindy track and it was oh. it was probably 35 to 40 degrees we weren't allowed to show our legs so it was tracksuit pants only or tights the whole session weren't allowed water um, we did 30 34s 32s 31s as hard as we possibly could until we blew um, with no water <laughs> and Sato's in the middle of the track pouring uh, cold water over his head saying, how good is this, guys? How good is it? And I just remember looking in like, this guy's absolutely, like, he's crazy. But um, I finished that and I, I was running back, um, pretty much running back sideways and we had to stop and walk. I was with Luke Harrop at the time. I was living with Luke, the late Luke Harrop. Um, and I finished that session and I, I really knew where my limits were and, and I kind of tested it and it actually like it took me a long time to recover from that session but we used to do that week in week out mm -hmm. like, sessions like that you know do you remember that one where we ran from Jindabyne along the water and then we ran all the way out that road where we used to time trial to the oval yes and the sprinklers were going because again we weren't drinking yes yes yeah and we were so it was like in one of those sort of 40 degree celsius so what is that, 95, whatever, Fahrenheit, dry, hot days in the mountains. And we all ran into the sprinkler and did, well, did it collect your shin or your – no, he collect Chapo's face, right, as he went in for – No, 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 that was mine. So we didn't – again, <laughs> we weren't allowed to drink. So um, Locke and I have like – kind of crawled over to this sprinkler that was going. I was One just like, I need water, I need water. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was and, – and there was a rotating steel, like like a bar which is rotating that quick you couldn't see it. And I've gone in for a drink. I'm like, I just need – I was blurry. I couldn't really see. I'm just like leaned in to get a drink and this um, steel rod's clobbed me on the side <laughs> of the head and I've gone down. It drew blood. Lock Bomber House has gone in. He's um, – <laughs> His, his kneecaps were gone. Um, there was blood coming from his legs and we're all lying on the ground. It's just like a, like a war zone. Um, but, but, but I think the best one was um, when we're up in Threadbow and we had to swim 8K and there was other coaches that, that, that come along because I think um, at the time Brett was working for Triathlon Australia. So there was kind of, you know, um, coaches on a course that come up. And as soon as we saw that, we're like, oh, my God, this session's going to be extra hard here. So And it was. It was 8K. And, and I just remember Sato saying, look, look boys, bring some um, bring some." shoes we're just going to run around the village square along the flat as a recovery run afterwards <clears throat> so we went outside put our run gear on after swimming a very hard 8k and we're completely buggered um, put our shoes on and we had to throw um, our bags in his ute and he just drove off he said good luck fellas you're running back to Jindabyne and that was I think it was like 35k yeah, maybe 38 
Yeah. And, and, and I had Osgood slatters at the time, like a lot of pain at the, the, the front of the knee because I was that growing pains, right? So I, I think I got like to 30K and got to the point where I sat on the road like I couldn't move. It was in so much pain and you guys um, pushed on and um, that was – I just remember that session like it was just brutal like to run. It was kind of off camber as well, some of that road. Oh, it was um, awful. But, you know, it was just stories like that. It's um, like I'll never forget it, but I really tested my limits. And, um, you know, like if you told me to do that now, like do a hard AK swim, I'd laugh at you. And I don't know, maybe there's athletes out that are doing it, but we certainly tested the limits. I don't regret it um, a mm. thing because without that and without training with you guys, I, there's no way I would have made it in the sport. I would have probably pursued the duathlon career and never went to Olympics or, you know, some of these really big world championships, com games, stuff like that. So, yeah, that's where I found the love for the sport. Do you remember, I mean, I was sponsored by Rebel Sport and, um, and, and our coach, Brett Sutton, had been an ex-boxer and boxing coach and he said one day, <laughs> Greg, you know, get some gear from Rebel and we'll do some boxing training. I was like, all right. And so... Brett being, he was, you know, he'd been a professional boxer. And so I went into the ring and we had the headgear on and everything. And, you know, I was kind of pussyfooting around. I didn't want to get my head smashed in. And so, you know, he's like left jab coming or whatever. And I'd be like, boom, hit me in the face. Like, ah, damn it. (laughs) Right hook coming. And he just basically clobbered me a few times. And then I, you know, after two minutes, I hopped out of the ring. And then I think Locke from my house hopped in and he did the same kind of thing as I kind of pussyfooted around. I think Jan did it, AJ. We all had our turn. And then I'll never forget when you turned up, and I think you were probably 17 at the time, 18, mm. you, you were young, <laughs> and you just come out swinging. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think even it, it took, it took Sato by surprise that you had no idea what you were doing. Your arms were all over everywhere. No, no, I, I had no idea. <laughs> but you were committed to the fight, and it was like uh, that was one moment where I was like, there's no fear in this kid, like, here am I kind of, you know, got my arms protected and up and, and here are you just, and, and you got, and you got wailed. He went out. <laughs> yeah, but it was, I, I was frustrated and I was, was there's probably like this, this anger that was built up over time from Sato, um, you know, obviously treating us, you know, what we were as a junior and I'm like, I was angry. I'm like, right, this is my chance to get back at him. So I, I, I got a punch in which was good. Um, he was just playing with me, of course, but I got a punch in. I think I'd, I'm not sure if I gave him a black eye or not, but um, I was happy with it. Um, I sort of left like, yes, I got the coach back finally. <laughs> like, And then I think the following day he got me back in the water. I had to do another hundred, hundreds or something. Or I think in the end we had to shave our heads. All the juniors were in Sato's army and I think he gave us 24 hours to, um, yeah, to shave our head and Lee Chapman gave up straight away. He went down to the barber and got his head shaved and I'm like, no, nah, I'm not doing this. Um, there's no way. And I turned up to that afternoon session. He's like, mate, you have 12 hours to shave your head, otherwise you're gone. Um, and of course you had to go to the barber and get my head shaved. <laughs> I also remember when we were in Switzerland in a town called Laysin and we were doing a training camp there in the, the European summer of 97, I think it was. And, um, we were all training incredibly hard. And I remember sitting at a coffee shop with Andrew Johns and, and Sutter used to experiment on you and Lee Chapman a lot. And, I never forget you guys having these funny looking boot things and bounding up the hill in these oh, yes. in these 
what are those boots called? Kangoo, kangoo, kangoo boots, boots, I think, yeah. You, oh, I, I swear to this day it was one of the hardest times I've ever laughed when I <laughs> saw you guys. But it was like you were the guinea pigs to some degree and suddenly so I wanted to know if, they, if this would be a good training tool. Absolutely. I think the first guinea pig uh, was Ben Bright for, mm. for Sato and then Lock Vom House and, and Ben Bright trained that hard. Like these stories that I heard of Ben Bright um, made my training look pretty easy, to be honest. Um, and he was an exceptional athlete. I think he was a top five um, at World Championships, you know, in the elite as a junior. Like he was like mm-hmm. 18 or 19, you know, he's top five, which is outstanding. But, um, yeah, we'll certainly guinea pigs. Um, for the rest of the squad and his, uh, I guess, coaching career. But, um, yeah, mate, it, was, it wasn't an easy time, but I, I thrived on it um, like anyone would. Like I was just coming from Wagga and I knew that if I didn't do the work, I wasn't going to make it. And, um, yeah, I used, to, I used to remember watching you guys train and I used to try and keep up for, for, for as long as I could and you guys would go away to like a Sydney World Cup and I used to watch it on online on the ITU or even on TV back then and um, I could see like you, you won it I think um, you know Jan Rahula was up there top three Andrew Johns was up there top three and I'm like I'm training with the best guys in the world what an opportunity this is and I think that every junior coming through now needs to be inspired they need a mentor that they can um train with on a daily basis i think it's so important i think um i had that growing up i I probably needed that a little bit later on in my career like train with the really best guys like even some the the best runners and 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 some good cyclists and things so i just think there's so much benefit in that training with the best guys and just watching them um go away and 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 race the best in the world and, and be dominant i think you just gain a lot of confidence from that so yeah that was a that was a special squad there for quite a while um 99 sydney world cup where we went one two three in the men i think loretta won the women um we it, it, it was a good squad there for quite a period of time but but with your career you know you found your passion you 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 crushing it you know the work as a junior when was it that you kind of went okay i got some ability here like you started to recognize your talents when was it that you realized okay i can actually have it there was some positive feedback in the sense of i've done the work and i can actually have a career here and the olympics is actually somewhat of a reality i would say when i started consistently swimming better like and and better for me was like just hanging on to that front group like i used to just jump in the water and just fight my way through like most of the swims are but I, I think as a junior or under 23 athlete I, I think that the biggest race win or, or when I sort of thought okay I'm, I'm most likely going to make it now was probably in Cancun 2002. Mm. I had a pretty good season I think I was top five in St Anthony's and uh, went away into the training camp um, and I just knew like the numbers were all good and then I, I went to um, that World Championships in Cancun. I, I think you're, you're at that as well. Mm-hmm. It was a really hot day. The under-23 race was like 40-plus and athletes were dropping all over the course. And, like, I won that race, I think, about a minute and a half um, from Sven, Sven Riederer um, and some of the, you know, the best sort of up-and-coming juniors obviously in the world and, and some guys who actually performed well at the Olympics. I think Sven in Athens two years later was on the podium. So I knew I was, I was racing the best guys, but, um, yeah, I, I swam towards the front in that race and, and rode well and just 
ran well and I always love racing the heat as well. So I knew at that point in time, it's like, hey, like there's an opportunity here. And then it kind of snowballed after that. I think um, I had the sprint finish with Dimitri mm. Gag in Tishivarish in Hungary in mm. 2005, which obviously we, we both kind of collapsed going up the, the steep ramp. I think the ITU um, changed there finishing shoots from then on um, because it was it was just too steep and I knew that hey like this it's an opportunity to win a world cup this year and I thought I would do it in 05 but you know it was very very close as millimeters in in it with Dimitri and then yeah the following year after that it kind of I won my first world cup in Doha 2006 a couple of weeks before the Commonwealth Games and then it kind of took off after that so um, it took a while but yeah it's sort of once you're up and running and build that confidence of racing the best guys in the world week in week out you know, especially in Europe as well like the competition was, was crazy and mm. you know to be part of um, a French Grand Prix team German Bundesliga um, racing you know five six races from the French club I was, I was racing some of the best guys in the world as well so yeah i just knew after a while like cancun really kick-started things and um yeah sort of kept it going for as long as i could after that a quick mini break to let you know about any question you can go to anyquestion.com forward slash greg bennett when you get on there it's all free you can Ask question to over a thousand world-leading experts across 30 different channels. Uh, there's already about 70,000 answers already on the platform where you can go listen to what world-leading experts are talking about. So go to anyquestion.com forward slash Greg Bennett, sign up. It's completely free. Go check it out. I think uh, I'm just thinking of your resume. Um, you know, you really, I love that kind of you hung in there one moment longer. You had tremendous grit for probably, you know, that five to 10 years of just constant hard work. Like people often would look at your resume and they forget that huge amount of volume and work and the suffering that went into before you even made it onto the world stage. And then you got to the world stage and and the timing of your prominence onto the world stage coincides with Javier Gomez from Spain, Mm. who I know you're good mates with and I'm good mates with and, you know, is arguably one of the greatest of all time to do the sport as well. And I think you guys had quite a tussle for many years there as well around that 05, 06, 07. Am I Mm. right? Absolutely. I just remember being at the airport, I think it was, when was it, 2001, 2002, and and one of the Spanish coaches who I knew at the time is like, hey, there's a young guy coming through. Um, I think it was in Queenstown, actually, just before Queenstown. He's like, there's a young guy coming through named Javier Gomez Noya. Just watch him in this race because he's going to unleash. He's, his results in training have been outstanding. And, of course, at the time you're like, yeah, okay, okay, watch him. And, and then, <laughs> of course, you know, in Queenstown where he won the under-23 and then he just smashed it after that. And to be honest, I didn't beat him too many times. Um, he, 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 was, he was a class above me, but... He, he sort of um, he raised the bar, and I was I was trying to to match it, but like he, he was next level. He, he could swim; he's a natural swimmer. He could ride well, and he's he's getting off the bike every time and running thirty minutes. And uh, yeah, he's a really nice guy as well. Really humble, and um, I got you didn't that well suck with him. when you like? Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> it's like one of these guys you want. You wanted hate. to hate the guy, but you couldn't. Yeah, you want to hate the guy, but he was really nice and. Um, 
I, I really enjoyed racing him. I just remember lining up uh, with him on the, you know, where they, they, they do the call, you know, the, the top 10 and then everyone goes out. But I just always used to look at his toes because <clears throat> if his toes were sort of beat up and, you know, the, the, the toes you get when you're training hard, they're all, you mm. know, toenails are dead. And, and when they were kind of black and half dead, it's just like, oh, my God, he's been training hard. This guy, he's going to absolutely annihilate us. And <laughs> most of the time I'd look down at the start before going out in the pontoon and have his – Javier's uh, toenails are all black. I'm like, oh, my God, like he's going to unleash a sub-30 here. <laughs> so, and sure enough, um, it happens. And, and sometimes I look down, it's just like, geez, okay, he must be injured here because his toenails are all nice and clean. He's looking and healthy. He's proper. He's looking he's healthy. Looking, he's looking healthy. But, yeah, we went to head-to-head a number of times. Yeah. And our, our biggest one was probably at the start in 07 in Malulabar. I finally got the better of him, mm. you know, on the last lap coming down the hill and won that race for the first time ever because I really I really feared Malulabar because it was such a hard such a hard event. And I just remember an athlete coming up to me just after Commonwealth Games because I went up there for, for, you know, for my sponsors and, and this athlete said, hey, like, is the reason why you're not doing it because the, the, the course is too hard? And I'll never forget that. I'm not going to say which athlete it was, but oh, you're going like, to you know to what? going to have to give me a little hint. <laughs> you know what? Like next year I'm going to race and I'm going to race it well. And, and that's when um, uh, Bill Davern and I really started prepping for Malulaba, um by doing hill reps out at Tamworth Drive on the Gold Coast. And um, it's a race that you really had to prepare mm. uh, well for. You had to be strong. And um, I finally – won Malula Bar in, in 07 and that was probably one of my best victories because um, as a junior, I, I, like I, honestly, I feared the race. I, I hated it because I wasn't a strong athlete. Well, it's a, just so, so listeners know, you know, Malula Bar is a surf swim. So first and foremost, if you're growing up on the ocean surfing, you've got a huge advantage in, in, in terms of how to play in the ocean. You know, you grew up Wagga Wagga central New South Wales kind of thing, um, mm. pretty far away from the ocean. Swimming wasn't your talent. The bike, it was definitely, it was a power bike because it was like these, you know, one minute climbs each side, one and a half minute, maybe a bit more. And then the run, the run I think suits you, but it's definitely a strong run. And I think your mongrel and grit type attitude steered you to have a good race there eventually, but you had to get mm. the skills required, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that was that was many months of work, many months of hills. But to be honest, the the ocean swims I didn't mind because my, my, my swim technique was terrible. So I just used to throw the arms over <laughs> as fast as I could, and the salt water adds a bit of buoyancy. So I, I didn't mind the ocean swims because my, my style was terrible, and I used to just fight. So I used to actually swim better in the ocean than what I would for for um, in a lake flat some, water, you and me in both. a lake or something. Mm, yeah, mm. I really enjoyed it. No, I, I love that story because it's, you've picked something that you really wanted and there's something very special about deciding the one thing that you really want and then when it actually happens, because the amount of times we go for something and it doesn't happen, it's like, oh. mm. and to actually get that one where you go, yeah, no, a year out, we said, let's do it, you know, and, to, and not just do it, to do it over Javier Gomez. Um, yeah, like I said, one of the greatest. One of the greatest yeah, races of absolutely. all time, I think, Malulaba and, and absolutely. up against one of the greatest athletes of all time. So it would, it would have been a special one. And back in the day, Malulaba had big crowds, oh. amazing coverage. It was one of the world's biggest races and it was probably one of the first World Cups. Um, mm. 
I think it was in March and, um, you know, all the internationals would come down and do training camps in Australia before Mooloola Bar and, and some would fly over last minute, so potentially some of them weren't even ready for it. But we all, we always made sure we're ready for it. Um, I love the race. I race many times. And I remember watching um, yourself there, Greg, and, and Macker and all the you know, Australia's best athletes compete there and it was on TV and I just wanted to win that race one day and it finally happened in 07 and I've got the opportunity to win it a few more times. Yeah, how many times did you win it? I was going to ask that. Uh, I think I won it uh, all up three times and probably on the podium or maybe three or four podiums there well finally. Done. So I just I just yeah. knew how to, how to race that race after a while and I knew how to prep for it. There was a hill, as I said, Tamworth Drive, which I knew roughly what place I would get based on the time in training. So it was down to the seconds and I knew that if I got my time, the hill was like, I think it was 1,300 metres, but it was a good mix of mm. gradients. It was flat. Um, it'd start off, you know, 6%, then it would go to, you know, completely flat so you can build your leg speed up, then it'd kick again up to 10% flat, then the last bit was like a 12%. And I got a lot, lot out of that, more bang for your buck. It wasn't just a strength set, it was speed as well because – you know, halfway through um, those hill efforts, I would I'd be sitting on three-minute K-pace, which you're going up at probably four-minute K-pace and three-minute K-pace. So that change of pace certainly certainly helped a lot. Um, mm. And I stuck at it. You know, if, it's, if, it, if it works, then, then, then stick at it. So. I, I love that. I remember having this conversation with Jan Fredino. I think we were talking – it was right around after he just won the 08 Olympic Games and uh, – and I was saying to him, if you want to get fit quick, well, he might have said it to me, but I think we both mutually agree. If you want to get fit quick, you know, doing 2K hill repeats, you know, running straight up a hill as hard as you can. We used to do it at Noosa from, you know, the surf club up up to the lookout. It was almost oh, yeah, an exact yeah. 2K. I don't know if you ever did that one. And you do that five or six times plus the jog down. You're getting a, a distance run in, but you're also sprinting up this hill, which to what you're saying, had those flatter moments where you're trying to get back up to speed as quick as you can. But if you want to get fit really fast, run hills like that. <laughs> yeah. Even for marathon running, I, I try and do some hill efforts once a week mm. around Wagga and I, I find even the, most of the marathons are doing quite flat and fast, you, you gain a lot from it. Um, just that strength with the core work on top of it, I think you gain a lot from it, especially the back end of the run, like after 30K when when things get tough, um, yeah, I just, I just feel as though I, I gain a lot from it. Just, mm. just you know, so much stronger than, than running flat all the time. So For sure. Now, you mentioned Mooloola Bar has been one of your big highs of your career. You know, when, when you look back at the career, what are some of the, the biggest highs and what are some of the lessons you learned, you know, a bit like the lessons you've learned preparing for Mooloola Bar? Preparation is king. But what were some of the really great highs of your career that stand out to you? Well, we've already talked about Cancun. That was sort of a stepping stone um, that sort of wrapped up my junior career and like in the best way possible of, of winning that. And then uh, Commonwealth Games was obviously, you know, you'd have to say career highlight, you know, to do it in Melbourne. Um, St Kilda, obviously, the Melburnians, as you know, mate, it's um, mm. they're crazy about their sport and that day there was at least a couple hundred thousand people watching. It was like 10 deep in, in areas and, um, you know, Robbo was there, Tomo was there and, um, you know, that, that race, just everything went right. I was in really good shape um, and I, I pushed on at 5K um, to go and I sort of never looked back. I just I was confident that I could hold that pace, you know, that three-minute K pace 
for the for the rest of the run, and, and I believe I. I did or I got pretty close to it and um, yeah it sort of blew up after that you know triathlon was um, it was live on TV and we we had a lot of coverage and you know I got a manager after that and got some really good sponsors which I stuck with and they stuck with me for most of my career you know like Giant Bikes and, and, and Asics and Oakley and mm. um, you know some of the world's biggest companies which it's just snowballed after that and um, I'm so thankful for that you know for that that yeah. race that really kick-started things and that was the Commonwealth Games for me so um, that was a career highlight um, what else uh, just all the World Cups the World Series obviously I've had a couple of or a few close calls you know with some sprint finishes um, doing my first Ironman yeah <laughs> but all those highs obviously there's there's got to be some lows right and, and growing up I was very injury prone. I was a skinny kid. Um, probably wasn't, you know, too strong. And I had a, a couple of tibia stress fractures back in the days of junior. Just, just pushing too hard. You know, you mm. just testing the limits, as we already talked about. But sometimes it just, you know, you just don't have any experience. So you get a bit of pain in the leg. And you know, and you think that, hey, I, I can maybe push on. Maybe I can do this fart leg session, this track session, it'll be okay. But the body just breaks down and that's what happened and yeah two tibia stress fractures which each one I was out for six months which was a lot because the doctor obviously at the time's like six eight weeks you should be back sort of walk jogging which I wasn't um, and then the femoral neck the, the hip stress fracture as well and that was another six months um, without those injuries there's no way again I would have made it because I just knuckled down and just swam my butt off as much as I possibly could. I'll swim in twice a day in order to retain fitness um, and then just did what I can, like if, if if I can do some little walks or strength work. But, um, yeah, I, I, at, at the time I look at it and as soon as it, I was diagnosed with a stress fracture, I'll be so down and in a dark place for, for a number of weeks because that's the last thing you want and last thing your sponsors want and all you want to do is go out and compete with the best guys and you know you know it's going to be most likely another six months and so they that time was pretty tough because it was just like banging the head up against the wall i would be coming back from injury going really well then bang another stress fracture so i knew as i said there's another six months and then it happened again and again and it just it was ongoing um, and then I sort of learned to really listen to my body um, and then back off when I needed to back off. And it was okay to miss a, miss a session because when I was really young, I'm like, I can't miss this track session. It's on the program. I have to do 15 mm-hmm. 400s in 66 or 65 or whatever. I need to nail it. That's what I need to do in order to um, go to this next World Cup and get the best possible result. And if I missed it, I'd be like, okay, I'm not ready. You know, so I'll just push on and do it, which in the end was a stupid move because I should have just sat it out, um, sat out for a couple of days and just jumped on the bike instead. But um, pushed on, yeah, got got injured quite a lot. I had pneumonia three times, which first oh, time I, I, like, I think I almost died. The doctor said, just as well you'd come to the hospital now because your left lung was completely um, shut off. Was infected that bad that it wasn't working. And you were training through it? Well, yeah, I was actually, I mean, Tyler could probably tell the story better than what I could, but the funny thing was we were training on the Gold Coast and uh, a little bit wet and uh, Tyler's like, you know what, Sticks, yeah, I'm going to pull in and have a coffee and wait for, you know, for the, 
the rain to clear. And I'm like, you know, Tyler, you pussy, you keep going, you'll be right. And toughen up and just joke around as we do. And I went out to Crumbin and back and, you know, in the rain and come back and obviously had a bit of a sniffle, kept pushing on. And a few days later, I'm like, shit, I don't know if I can train. I was in bed and I couldn't get out. And, you know, five days later, I refused to go to the hospital as well. It's just like, it's a cold, it'll clear. And then it got worse and worse to the point where I, like, I couldn't really move off the bed. Um, I couldn't really breathe that well. I knew something was up, so... Yeah, eventually I went into hospital. Someone took me to hospital. I'm lying in the back seat, half dead, and uh, the doctor's like, oh, my God, like, what have you been doing? I explained to him that it went right in. He's like, you should have come into hospital three days ago, just as well you did because, um, yeah, you didn't have long to go because your whole lungs were infected, and and that's the reason why I I couldn't breathe that well. But, um, yeah, I had that three times actually, so... Not great. You've had it three times that bad. Did you get better at getting to the hospital faster and faster? Yeah, yeah. The first time was the worst. The second time um, I, I kind of was diagnosed pretty early. I sort of learned from that. But at the same time, you're out for quite a while because it really is an infection in the lungs and it's, it's like being injured. Like you have That's to, amazing. Like the first, the first time it took forever. Um, the second time was... Um, 2012, I was in San Diego World Series race and I just didn't feel right. I did the race and didn't have the best result and come back to the hotel and I was coughing up blood and I'm like, what's going on here? I, I spoke to the Triathlon Australia doctor and I said, hey, like, I'm coughing up blood. He's like, oh, my God, right, let's let's get you and see a doctor. And and the doctor's like, shit, okay, you've, you've got pneumonia. But at the time, before the tests come back, they thought I had tuberculosis. So it spread like wildfire through the triathlon media that someone in the race had tuberculosis. So all these officials and athletes were going out and getting tested for tuberculosis because they thought there was a big outbreak. But in the end, it was just me with nothing like <laughs> You made a case, so you can imagine uh, all the efficient stuff were, when they found out it was me were probably um, pretty angry. But, um, yeah, I was, I, was, I was stuck in San Diego Hospital for five days and it was, a, you know, it's unbelievable. Well, I mean, I was, I was covered by insurance, but that was like, I think it was $50,000 or something. So thank God I was covered by insurance. But this was all in the Olympic year, you know. I was stuck over there by myself and um, Annabelle Luxford, uh, picked me up and looked after me um, in their homestay in San Diego. And then eventually um, um, I was right to fly because obviously, yeah, I couldn't fly because I had a mm. lung biopsy as well. So I couldn't fly for, um, I think, two and a half weeks after that. So I'm trying to figure out when you got a chance to have any, any training or do any racing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I did plenty of racing. Times, but, all the stress fractures and injuries. You know, like everyone's, that's the thing. Everyone's got setbacks in the sport, like mm. every professional, every age group, everyone's got setbacks. And I guess it's just how you overcome it. Like I am just wanted to be one of the best in the world and I just knew I had to recover as fast as I could. But in the end, I was, I was just wasn't patient enough with the stress fractures and with pneumonia. Maybe I should have listened to my body a little bit more, but um, I learned from it. And when I get sick now, I kind of pull it up pretty quick, mm. knowing that I'm better off to have a week off than, you know, to get really sick or injured and have potentially six months off. So Yeah, but I think I think you when you when you look at who you are as a person and I've talked about it on this show is being somebody that's trying to be the greatest that you can be, but potentially the greatest in the world. There's a line where 
most people get to that line and you go, okay, I'm going to shy away and go the other way. But when you have such purpose in your life, you have to peer over that line. You have, you have to look beyond where you've ever been before. And mm. it's only when you do that that the magic truly does happen. But with the magic also comes the spells that can also take you down, right? And so it's kind of your gift as being one of the grittiest, most determined people that I know from a very young age is also, you know, your greatest gift is your greatest curse, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. I, I think in order to be um, to get the best out of yourself, you, you really do. You've got to go over that line sometimes and see. And I did that earlier on with the training, obviously, as I talked about. But um, I think, yeah, you've got to be uncomfortable sometimes and, and, and see what's over there and push because and, that's the only way I think you can move forward is to, to – to see what you're capable of in life and um hmm. yeah so I, I you, you try and do that with business a little bit as well like you 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 put you push on and try and be the best version of yourself you can be so yeah i was going to ask you you know transitioning from sport i'm always fascinated by you know some people find it reasonably easy and it's smooth and others take time and it, and it takes a while what was it like for you i knew you know you set up your, your coaching business and things but you know, we talked about earlier in the show, but what was that sort of transition like for you? Mate, it was it was quite tough. Um, I didn't really have too many people to talk about it with at the time, but it was it, it was tough. Like, mm. Um, mm. you know, you go from um, being treated quite well to like all these big races and I was doing, um, you know, Ironman races and you go away and they really look after you with ho- hotels and airport pickups and um, even some races like when you race in Germany for instance you go to Hamburg and there's people waiting outside the elite athlete hotels asking for autographs you go from that to 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 nothing and it's it's a bit of a shock but um, um, to find purpose I don't know it was I stopped training completely because I think as an elite athlete you're like oh you know like towards the end you're like I can't wait to to finish up. I can sleep in and have beers and just live a normal life. And and I did that for six months at least. Um, and I just I, di- I didn't really enjoy it that much because I started putting on a bit of weight. And mm-hmm. you know, and I, I just remember one day I was I leant down. I was you know going to go to work, and I leant down and. Um, I was doing my shoelaces up and it was like my gut was in the way. <laughs> it was like this weird feeling like, oh, my God, like what's going on here? And I'm I just, only laughing because I had a similar experience. Yeah, so you, you do. And then I'm like, like I miss the, the adrenaline you get, the endorphins you get from training. So I'm like, right, what can I do? Because I was still running a little bit. I was running maybe – oh, look, it was two 30-minute runs a week and it felt terrible because I just wasn't fit enough to – to, to do anything with it and I wasn't gaining fitness I wasn't even maintaining fitness I was just doing it for the sake of doing it but I didn't enjoy it and I'm like you know what like I always wanted to do a marathon I wanted to work on the PB or get my PB as low as I could um, it wasn't about placing it's never about placing for me in marathons because I'm that far behind the top guys and I'm, I'm not going to run a 205 or sub 210 um especially now there's there's just no way but i just do it um for personal reasons and that's to try and um get the pb as low as low as possible and have a good time doing it like i'm not as serious um Mm. as 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 what i was i'm sort of older and i've got a family and i just do it i think it levels me out well and i've got good clarity and um 
um, do a lot of my thinking as well. It's like therapeutic, I think, when I head out for easy jogs anyway. And, um, you know, we've got a bit of a run group here in Wagga we've built up and it's called Lake Albert uh, Run Club. Every Thursday, my brother and I, have, we started and it's built up to like 40 runners, you know, and all these people have um, realised the the the, um, the true joy of running and, and pushing with other people, like doing fartlek. A lot mm-hmm. of them are just plotters and, you know, I think I was at that point as well. It's just like, hey, let's, let's get stuck into it. Let's do some marathons. Let's pick them out because um, it's a completely different sport. You know, people think, oh, yeah, running and triathlons quite similar obviously it is but in the end it's completely different sports different racing um different level it's it's everything's different i can pick marathons in pretty much every city in the world that you can go do and i'm just picking them out like lake biwa in japan in 2019 i call tyler up and say hey mate like you in? He's like, absolutely. Of let's course do he it. is, mate. <laughs> in Seville, yeah. And oh, I love bringing Ty over and, yeah. you know, we stay together in the hotel and he's got his stories and, like, I really enjoyed. He's a, he's a really good mate of mine and, you know, he's sort of – he was training with us in the early days back with Bill Daverin on the Gold Coast and, um, you know, really enjoying my time with him because, you know, I'm not a big talker in training, but Ty just, he'll talk your ear off. He's pretty funny. He's like Macca. Like yeah. You go for a ride and it's really entertaining. Yeah. So I bring him along for these trips and um, get on the beers afterwards and just make the most of it. And, um, yeah, the last trip last month was um, was really enjoyable. Like he ran 2.24 and um, I reckon he was only training for eight weeks. He's got That's that what he talent. He's only ever trained for eight weeks. He always does eight these weeks. like little eight-week blocks. Then nothing, then eight weeks. That's it. He's, he's all in or he's nothing. Exactly. You know, he's, he's got a big family now with, with Nikki and yeah. um, the kids and he's got a bit of a zoo going on back there as well in Boulder with all those animals he's got. And um, so he's a busy he's a busy man. But, um, yeah, we'll just, just pick a marathon or, or two out a year. The next one's going to be Gold Coast Marathon, um, which is a little bit easy to travel with and um, – and go from there. So yeah. Well, mate, you, you've got you've got a lot on you lot on. I really appreciate you getting up early. I know that I don't know if you've got your girls are, are up and awake. I know you were mentioning they before are, we started. Radka was out doing her run workout. Um, mm. I I find it amazing that you're able to balance your your training. Like you said, you know, it's not the priority in the family, but you you get to do that. Radka's training. You're running a business. You have got two kids. Um, your family are close by, right? Your parents, are they helping out with the kids and stuff? Yeah, they are. Um, yeah, mum and dad are only uh, probably uh, 1,500 metres from, from our place. Um, my brother's probably a K, sister's probably a couple K. So we're all pretty close. That's um, awesome. I love And then that. I've got a brother in, um, lives in New York. Um, and then, yeah, as I said, a couple of sisters in, in Canberra. So I we're all pretty close. I didn't you were one of six, mate. Like one a, of six, yeah. In my homework, big, big I was family. like, what? <laughs> I knew you yeah. had a brother. I didn't realise there was four more. Um, yeah, and the funny thing is that, like, everyone's done marathons, you know. Um, the whole family and all their partners have done marathons, so. Um, yeah, I remember your mum and dad were always marathoners. I remember when I first met yeah, you, know, yeah. Talking, oh, yeah, they've, they've probably done 30 or 40 marathons each. Mum's done a 254 wow. as a 40-year-old, probably 45-year-old, so. Um, pretty crippled now, to be honest. You know, Dad's got a buggered hip, and Mum's knees yeah. are gone. It's bone on bone. So. <laughs> sorry to hear that. No, great oh, yeah. folk. It's been a long time since I've seen them, so give them my regards. Yeah. But yeah, no, we'll do. Before I let you go, I, I want to just do some of my favourite questions that I ask a lot of my guests. And and the first one, you know, looking back, 
now with what you know? What would you tell you, your 18-year-old self? Um, I think persevere um, because since I got diagnosed with a stress fracture a couple of times as we've talked about, I'm like, oh, my God, like this is the worst thing for me. But in the end, it was probably one of the best things because all I did was swim. Um, so just... Mm-hmm. Persevere, stay positive um, because you go to a dark place when, you know, you get that report back and it's like another stress fracture and it's you just feel as though it puts you back years, but in the end it didn't. So, um, yeah, just persevere through, through the tough times. So. That's, that's huge, mate. And you did. You did persevere. So letting yourself know almost that it's okay. It's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right, next one. Who, who would you want to have dinner with, you know, non-family? Living or dead, three people. Um, for those of you who, who sort of know me, know that I, that I love travel. I, I just always um, enjoy travelling around the world, and um, you know, always try and do a decent holiday. Like I would go on um, a six-week or eight-week break after the season. Always sort of. Mm. Um, you always go to Vietnam and places like that. Yeah, like through Southeast Asia, um, through Europe. Yeah, the states like I just love traveling and and there was one guy I read his book um, Tony Wheeler and Maureen Wheeler they're the co-founders of Lonely Planet Guidebooks mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, and I just I was inspired by it because for one he's he got to travel the world and documented all his travels which is pretty cool so I'd love to go with Tony Wheeler um, the, the founder of um, I love that yeah. Lonely Planet mm-hmm. um, to hear all his stories about all his travels um, second one probably Roger Federer. Mm-hmm. Just because it's Roger Federer, he's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, you know, obviously, you know, a grace of all time and um, just I just loved how he handled himself on and off the court. Third one for comedy value, probably Ricky Gervais, <laughs> I think, <laughs> would uh, round it out nicely. So, What a great evening. <laughs> that sounds like yeah, a that's, that's dinner, it, mate. Yeah. What yeah. a great list. Um and now, now, you know, with your business, family, everything else, where do you sort of see yourself in the next three to five years? Well, I'm always projecting myself five or ten years anyway. So um, expand the business, continue to grow. Um, you know, I'd love to be up around 1,800 to 2,000 um, kids at our swim school on a weekly basis. I'd love for that to happen. Um, you know, our daughter, Indiana, would be at school um, in a few years' time. So hopefully she's... Um, She's having a good time there with Ruby, um, same schools, um, and Radka's um, continue to, well, I'm not sure how long she's got left in the sport, but hopefully at least a couple of years. Um, she's sort of 37, I think she is, so she's probably got a... She's a young another, pup. Yeah. Yeah, and she's doing Ironman now, so, um, yeah, hopefully she's still still competing, still competing on, yeah. on the world stage and um, there to support her and support the girls and yeah god knows what i'll you know, hopefully i can still um be running marathons hopefully your hips um, and knees are hanging in there well that's the thing yeah hopefully it's just <laughs> probably have to reduce the mileage a bit or something and um but i, I just find like now there's this obviously these super shoes that are out and i just yeah. wish i had them oh back in at, back amazing. in my day you're like you're probably the same oh i've i put a pair on the other day well a year or two ago now when I said the other day of a, of, a, of a mate and I was like, oh, my God, that's insane. It was yeah, absolute game changer. Yeah. Absolute game changer. I've, I, yeah. I don't own a pair. I just tried them on. Um, yeah. I was like, 
Yeah, incredible. And I think with that, I've talked about on this show, I almost feel like having those shoes allow you to do more training on the bike as well now because you're not as damaged from the run. Absolutely, yeah. I I find with like an aging body, like I'm, geez, I'm almost 44 now and I feel as though um, I can just pull up so much faster um, by using them in training. Mm. Just, Just the... Energy return you get, obviously, one thing, but it's just the, the, the overall, like the foam's so good and it's oh. so spongy. It just protects your legs and your joints and, your, yeah, your ligaments, everything. So I just find them, um, you know, great great Couldn't to use in, in, in training and racing. So, um, yeah, absolute game changer. So, yeah, I love them. Um, All right, mate, before we let you go, run. one little bit. Let's do some, I don't know how much fast twitch fibers you got left in you, but how about not many? J- just a quick little bit of rapid fire questions. You ready? Yeah. All right, here we go. One book you'd recommend? Uh, I would recommend, I can't remember the name of it. I think it's with the Tony Wheeler. I think it's Unlikely Destinations. Great, Tony Wheeler. Check it out, everyone. Unlikely All right. Destinations. Yeah. Two most used apps on your phone? Um, it's probably pretty boring, CCTV <laughs> for work. Um, and probably remote monitoring, so I monitor the chlorine um, on a daily basis. It's, That's it's the first boring. time I haven't had somebody say no. Instagram and one of the other. Well, I apps. use that a little bit, but yeah, yeah, it's the it's the cameras and the chlorine. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right, the toughest race you've ever you've ever completed. Toughest? Oh my god. Um, I would say that the, the toughest week, and, and you can remember this, Greg, is the Iron Tour, mm. like back-to-back racing, the best guys in the world. You were on my team um, the very first time, remember? Yeah, yeah, team ben, ben, Bennett's, was it? The, the, the bakery, the bakery used team. to be sponsored. I crashed, was, Chapa, we all went rubbish. You went good, but the rest of us went rubbish. Oh, I, I was 20-something, but like at the time, I was racing the best guys in the world. This was just after 98 Lausanne World Championships and you're in the team, Chapo's in the team. We had a really good team. Simon Lessing was there, Paul Amy, like the, I think 12 of the top 20 at the World Championships are racing and it was, I was a junior and I'm just like, my eyes are wide open, like, oh my God, I'm racing some of the best, but you're back up day in, day out and it was really tough racing and some really tough courses, but I'd say, yeah, like a fond memory. As a, That's a fond as a memory. Group. I yeah. totally forgot about yeah. that, but yeah. Mate, we could sit yeah. and chat for hours and hours. I'm sorry if all the listeners get bored, but we could. I could yeah, really. sort of pro- procrastinating on the old times. Sorry about that. But, <laughs> no, it's um, been absolutely Just talk about the good times, I guess. But we, we've, we've had a lot of good times and a lot of good memories from the sports. And like I'm still going to races now. Like I was down at Geelong on the weekend watching Radka yeah, yeah. competing the 70.3. And um, Yeah, congrats to her, by the way. She got second or third. Yeah, she was second. Second, um, yeah. And, and she'll do Port Macquarie Ironman coming up. Awesome. And Hang on, we're still on rapid fire. You've digressed. Oh, sorry, sorry. Sorry, I'm really slow. <laughs> it's probably slow as Tyler, was he, for the rapid fire? <laughs> Too much talking. First job. First job, uh, working at the gym, workout walker. Workout walker. I was on $5 an hour too. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. I'm sort of friends with the boss and he's like, yeah, $5 or I think that's enough for you, mate. And I'm like, oh, really? $5? And I did everything, you know. I was chopping wood for the sauna because they had, you know, a proper fire back then and um, taking people on, uh, you know, their, their PT sessions. Um, I was setting up aerobics, running kind of a circuit class. I was, I was jack of all trades, mate, doing everything for, for $5, $5 an hour. hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Oh my god! Out of ten, how cool are you? How cool? Oh, before kids, I was probably like a nine. Now, as a dad, probably a bit of a dad bod. Like I don't probably have time to really sort of get the hair going. I don't know, mate. Like I'm probably six and a half, seven now on a good day. But as a dad, yeah, I've, I've unfortunately um, scaled it back a bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. A couple more and then we'll be done. Which decade of music is best? 2000, I think. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Around then. All right. Last one. Where is somewhere you haven't been you'd like to go? I'd love to go to um, like Kenya, Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Rift Valley there, Itan, Eldoret, um, you know, where they train um, in just outside of Addis Ababa, um, Uganda, to see Joshua Chapter guy, Kip Lima, all those guys where they train at high altitude. I'd love that. Don't really have the time, unfortunately, to do at training camps. But, yeah, I'd love to um, go back to Africa. I've mm-hmm. raced there in a, South Africa, I think it was, for a World Cup in 06, but I'd love to go back um, mm. and see where the best guys train. You should tee up with Rob Higley. I mean, he was going there all the time. Yeah, he was going a lot to lot to Kenya. There's there's a lot of um, guys heading to Kenya now. Iten to to do training camps up at I think yeah. it's around well above two thousand meters, maybe two thousand four hundred meters. So, um, but unfortunately, yeah, I just don't have the chance at the moment to head away for training no, camps. No, no. It's more sort of a hit and run for a race and come straight back. So um, well, maybe let's one know day. If you and Radker and the kids want to come over Florida way, mate. We um we got kids the same age. Exactly the same age. So we're five and three. You've got a five and two-year-old with Ruby in Indiana. No, thank you very much. I always love coming to the States. I remember um, doing some sessions with you, Greg, in uh, in Boulder. And mm-hmm. um, the one thing about the States is that I love is the food. Like I'd go there and have Chipotle and all the Mexican and <laughs> I'd sit there at restaurants and it's just that free refill. So they fill me up with um, Coke and then I'd... I'd get on the plane going home. It looked like I swallowed a sheep, like I was that big. It was just, I just couldn't control myself with the food. <laughs> it's so, so, so tasty. So, um, yeah, like I, I really enjoyed my time there in Boulder and obviously Tyler's there and a few of the boys were there yeah. and, um, yeah, that swim squad at lunchtime was pretty cool as well, yeah. Masters and, uh yeah, hopefully we can come back and Rake can do some racing or I can potentially do like a Chicago marathon or, or New York or That's something like that. That's a good idea. So. Mix in your racing with your travel. Um, yeah. But, mate, this has been really fun for me to catch up and uh, just be able to reminisce and some of those stories. Um, a lot of them I'd kind of forgotten and so to have them come back, uh, I really thoroughly enjoyed it and, uh, you know, your career is really outstanding. It's what this show is actually all about. It's basically sharing stories of people that have endured one moment longer. They've, they've just kept showing up and uh, you definitely are somebody that persevered. But before I let you go, make sure you give a big big hugs to, to Radka. Um, I got to get her on the show here too in this next uh, this next month or so. So I'll, I'll reach out to her if she'll be up for it. I'm not. Sure. I feel bad if she, I'm taking you away from family and every and work and everything else. But um, you know, no, this has I been really enjoy. great, though, mate. I, I just really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing all your knowledge and your journey. It's been great. No pleasure. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's really yeah, as you said, Greg. It's it really good to catch up. Um, you to talk about the old times and um, yeah, relive it. I guess, and um, yeah, we had we had a lot of good moments. So 
good good to chat about it well congrats on everything all the very best to you and the family and, and business mate and um Thanks, everybody, for, for listening. Uh, you can find all the show notes and timestamps and everything else at bennettendurance.com forward slash media. Thanks a lot for listening. If you enjoyed the show, your support would truly be appreciated. You can visit the Patreon page or you can subscribe with your podcast app of choice. Don't miss the next episode, so subscribe and be notified. For show notes, if you want to know more, please visit bennettendurance.com. I'm Phil Liggett, and on behalf of Greg Bennett, here's to the next time, and I hope you will join Greg again very soon.